Thank you for tuning into this week's message. Here at Velocity, we love to hear about your life change. So if you have a story about how God has made a move in your life or impacted your life in any way, send an email to amen at findvelocity.org. We hope this message inspires you and builds your faith. Now let's lean in and enjoy the message. We're in the first week of a brand new series of messages called Find Your Circle. And I'm excited about what God is gonna do in your life and in your heart over the next three weeks because what we're talking about in this series is critical to following Jesus. It is critical to your relationship with God. It is critical into experiencing all that God has for you. And you might wonder what I mean when I say find your circle. I'm talking about your community, I'm talking about your circle of friends. Specifically, I'm talking about getting in a group and I don't know that this has ever been more important than the season that we're in right now because truthfully, for the last five months, most of us have been shrinking our circles. And, and let me tell you, that's not a bad thing. Like given everything that we've been going through and what we're hopefully and slowly beginning to emerge from, I think there's a lot of wisdom in limiting your interaction with others. I'm not putting that down at all. But can I just tell you and be really clear and really bold, what is a great strategy for avoiding a virus is a horrible strategy for your soul. It, it, it is bad for your walk with Jesus. It, it, it weakens your faith. It weakens your development. And it will limit you from experiencing everything that God has for you. So I want to help you with that today. And I'm praying that through this series, God begins to open your eyes in a brand new way to the people that he has already placed in your life. And I, I'm not being facetious when I say that I'm praying that this happens, because what you should know if you come to church here is that you have a pastor that prays for you. If Velocity is your church, you need to know that I pray for you every day. And aren't you glad to have a pastor that prays for you? Uh, and I hope you pray for me. And sometimes I say that to people and they wonder, it's like, well, well what, do you, what do you pray for me exactly? Actually, I, was, I told this to one guy, and he wasn't even a believer. I, just, I was telling him, like, man, I want you to know I'm praying for you and I do pray for you. He's like, man, that's kind of weird. <laughs> like, what, what do you mean you pray for me? I, I want to show you specifically what I pray for you because um, it comes right from Scripture. It's in Ephesians chapter 1. And the book of Ephesians was written by a guy named Paul. Paul was writing to a church that he planted. It's a great book. And Ephesians is cool because he's saying, hey, I'm, I'm wanting to encourage you. I'm thinking about you. Whenever I think about you, I thank God for you, and I pray for you. And, you know, the Bible talks a lot about prayer, but there's not a lot of prayers in the Bible. You can read, but in Ephesians chapter 1, we see one of those prayers. We see it word for word what Paul prayed. I want to read it to you in I'll start in verse 15. Paul says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So it's like whenever I think about you, I thank God for you. And whenever I thank God for you, I begin to pray for you. And he says, this is what I pray. Verse 17 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. In other words, he's saying, hey, there's some stuff I'm praying for you, and this is what I'm praying. I'm praying that God would open your eyes, that he would give you a spirit 
of wisdom and revelation. There's some stuff that I want you to see because it's, it's really, really important. And the reason I'm asking this is because I want you to know God better. I want you to know more personally, more intimately. In fact, this is my prayer for you as a church that if you're part of Velocity, however long, whether it's for a season, uh, that, that you would say, man, just from being part of this church, I know God better. My, my relationship with him has grown. It's not just a Sunday checklist for me. I, I know God. I walk with God. My relationship is intimate and personal. Says, I'm, I'm praying this because I want you to know him better. And verse 18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you would know the hope to which he's called you. So saying, I'm praying that God would open up your eyes to see his wonderful plan for your life, that, that you would see the future that he has for you. And honestly, I like this verse because this verse really informs the reason why we do groups at our church. Because a lot of people can't see the future that God has for them because they're shackled by the chains of their past. And when you get in a group, it begins to create freedom in your heart. That's what Paul's saying. I'm not that your physical eyes would be opened, the eyes of your heart, your spiritual eyes. I want them opened so that you can see what God has for you. It's something that's full of hope. It's not based and shaped off your past mistakes. And then he tells them what it is. He says, I want you to know the hope that he's called you to. This is what it is. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So this is the ultimate, that you would experience his riches, which comes in his holy people. In other words, uh, <laughs> this is what always stuck out to me. There's an ultimate that God has. For you. He has something ultimate and powerful for you. But it only happens. You only experience it in the context of church community. Did you ever notice? This is what always stuck out to me. He says his riches. In other words, this is what God values. Well, think about this. With everything that God has available to him in all of creation, this is what God values. It's his people. He calls it his riches. It's what comes out of community. And if this is important to God, it should be important to us. And if I can just be real bold and, and tell you whether or not it's important to you, whether or not you value it, you will never experience all that God has for you if you are not part of church community, if you are not plugged in to church life, if you are not in a group, no, no matter how great you think your walk with God is, I'm trying to be real bold and real clear, you are experiencing a subpar level of what God has for your life. Because the way you know the hope he's called you to, it's his riches, it's in his holy people. I don't say that to condemn anybody. <laughs> like like if, if you're like, man, I don't know. Like I'm just, I, I've kind of been doing my own thing. I, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to encourage you. I, I'm here to help you. I'm praying that God would open up your eyes to it. Because there's a chance that maybe some of you, you've never heard this today. You, you never realized that this part is essential to experiencing God's best for your life. To experience what he, what he has for you. It always comes out of community. You know, some, just think about this. We talk about Jesus and we say, you know, that he's with us and he's in us. 
But you know his name, Emmanuel, it's not God with you. It's God with us. That means that God can only be known in community. God wants to be known in community. And so maybe the reason you haven't found your circle yet is because you didn't know this stuff. You didn't know that it was so important. And I'm praying that that changes for you today because God is known in community. And that leads me to the scripture that I want us to look at together. And uh, I, I know some of you are confused because I thought we just looked at a scripture. Um, but that wasn't even my introduction. That was just for free. This is my introduction. So I hope you invited somebody because now I'm starting to preach. Um, but uh, I want us to look at a passage of scripture found in 2 Kings chapter 6. And if you're here and you're thinking, um, you know, I watched something on Friday and that sounds a little bit familiar because uh, we're going to look at this interaction between a prophet named Elisha and his servant. Well, if that sounds familiar, I just want to give a shout out uh, to Radiant, all the, the Radiant women. And uh, what, what a phenomenal night. I want to uh, definitely give my wife some love. She just did an incredible job. I, I love you, babe. You're a wonderful minister and communicator of God's word. And it was so cool just to see uh, all, the, all the people that, that joined in. We estimate close to or over, we don't know exactly, 400 women uh, tuned in. We're watching for that. So that was cool. Um, we had 15 different states in the house. Of course, there were a number uh, you know, social distance women here. And uh, it, it was really great. Also, if you'll just allow me, I want to give a shout out to our team. Man, I got to tell you, I love our team. And to think that we have a, a team that makes this happen uh, week in, week out, but we're also making Radiant happen on a Friday night and then come to do this again. I know some of you are like, man, I love church online. It's so convenient. Yeah, it's convenient for you. <laughs> it's called sacrifice for everybody who makes it happen. And uh, thankfully, you're part of a church that loves sacrifice. And so for all of our team that are here and are watching, I just want to let you know that I love you. I see you. Uh, I'll be bold about it. You are my favorite people at Velocity. And if you're not part of the team, you can be part of my favorite people um, by, by being part of the team. But you guys really make a difference. And for the, I think there were five women on Friday night and the people who give their lives to Christ every week at our church, you guys have a part to play in that. It's not just the person with the microphone in their hand. It's everybody doing their part. So thank you. Thank you, team. I love you. I see you. I notice you. Now let's get to the Word of God. Thank you, by the way, for saving me some exegesis on this text by talking about Elisha. Because in 2 Kings chapter 6, um, what we're going to see, uh, we're going to see this king who has a problem. But it's not the king of Israel like you might think I would talk about. No, it's the king of Aram. And interestingly enough, the king of Aram is the enemy of Israel. And his problem is that Elisha, that guy that I just mentioned to you, is sharing all of his secrets. You see, Elisha, he was the man of God for the hour, uh, too sweet to be sour, full of faith and power. Uh, Elisha, this guy, he, 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 he was God's mouthpiece to the nation. So whenever there was a, a problem in Israel, uh, Elisha is the guy that God would use to act, to, to rise up, to speak. And the problem in this moment was the king of Aram, well, he hates Israel, He's trying to conquer Israel. And so he's always like setting out to sabotage and capture and attack and ambush Israel. The only problem is, is that Elisha, because he's got this direct connection with God, 
he always knows about it before it happens. And so he tells the king of Israel, he's like, hey, you need to avoid this area because uh, the king of Aram is trying to kill you. And every time uh, the king of Aram, his, his plans would be foiled. You understand this is pretty frustrating if you're trying to destroy somebody. It's like every time I set out to capture you, Elisha comes in and, and he messes it all up. And, and the king is getting so irritated, the king of Aram, because he thinks that he's got a mole in his ranks. He's like, guys, speak up. Tell me right now which one of you is serving Israel. I need to know because this is getting really frustrating. I'm trying to capture them. I'm trying to ambush them, and it's not working. And one of his guys speaks up, and like uh, a king, I don't know if you know, it's, it's not any of us. You just need to know that. Israel has this prophet named Elisha, and uh, he's telling the king everything. Like, he's telling him what you say in your bedroom. Now, that would freak me out. Right, like, like somebody said, I'm just thinking, okay, what am I saying in my bedroom? I have to get this under control. Like that's one of my fears, by the way, that uh, I'm gonna like accidentally share something with somebody that they don't need. Like I'm gonna send a text message to the wrong person. Has anybody ever done that, by the way? Like, yeah. I mean, I, I've done it, but not like in the the bad way. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm in this group, like with my assistant. I'm in this group text with her and my wife because anything that. Uh, we would talk about, my wife needs to know. And like sometimes my, wife name, my wife's name comes up and uh, like I'll think, I need to text my wife something, but it brings up this group message and I'm just, I'm paranoid that one of these days I'm gonna send a text message intended for my wife, but it's gonna be this group text. I hope that never happens, pray for me. But the king of Aram, he's in like this group text thread with God and Elisha where anything that he says is getting reported to God, to Elisha, and then to the king, and he, he's done with it. So he comes up with this plan. He's like, all right, if Elisha is our problem, if he's this guy who knows our plans before we're ever able to act on them, then let's go capture Elisha. How many of you think this is a bad plan? The guy who you want to capture because he knows your plans, you're setting a plan to capture him. This is not very smart. Uh, and so it says that the king of Aram, he took his best horses and he took his strongest soldiers and he hatches this plan to sneak up on Elisha and surround the city. And he goes in the middle of the night to do it. And that's where I want to pick up the text in 2 Kings Chapter 6, verse 15, it says, When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, then he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now, I just want to say that the point of the story is really about God's power to deliver his people. It's about how uh, there, is, there may be like a lot of things going on in your life, but it is no match for the God that you serve. That 
The God you have is greater. He's bigger. It, you know, it speaks to the fact that there's a spiritual world and there's things going on that we can't see. But it's also a story about vision. And in the same way that Elisha prayed that his servant's eyes would be opened, as I was studying this text this week, God opened my eyes to see some things in this passage through the lens of community. And I want to take this moment to just share some of these things to you because I think it's going to help you. It really helped me. Uh, as we look at this message, I'm calling, if you're taking notes, take a look around. Take a look around. In fact, you can just do this wherever you're at. Uh, just, just whether you're sitting in the room, watching the line, just, just take a look around. Just look, look who's around you right now. Take, take a look around. Now, I've got to confess, I've got a problem. And I understand anytime the pastor starts out his message that way, it's a little scary. Some of you like, what kind of church did you bring me to? <laughs> this pastor, he's got a problem. But it's not like that, all right? I, I don't mean like I got a, a personal problem, I'm sure. I, I, like I have a, a predicament, a, a, a quandary. I, I'm in a, a bit of a pickle, to put it another way. It's like the great pickle shortage of Lawrence, Kansas. I, I've, I've got a pickle that I need to share with you. But, it's not a King of Aram kind of problem. It's not like uh, somebody sharing my secrets that I say in my bedroom. Not that I have any. Uh, it's not that kind of problem. Uh, my, my problem is I have a four-year-old little girl. And some of you are like, well, what's the problem with that? I mean, she, she's cute. She's adorable. She brings a lot of joy to your life. Yes, and <laughs> she doesn't sleep in her own bed. Now, before I get all of the judgment of you parents that are already typing in, you need to check out this book, 10 Ways to Get Your Kids to Sleep in Their Bed. Don't waste your time, okay? I've read it, right? Like, you got to understand, like, like, we've done the whole thing. Like, like we did the big girl bed. She's, she's got a big girl bed. You know, big girls stay in their bed. We did that. I read her stories. I tuck her in at night. We have a whole bedtime routine, which is a whole other story for a different sermon introduction, all right? Like, like that, that's a different thing. But the problem is not getting her to bed. The problem is not putting her to bed and getting her to go to sleep. I can get her to go to sleep. The problem is every morning at 5 a.m., I wake up with a foot in my face, and I don't know how it happened because I'm a hard sleeper. Like, if our house ever has a fire or we get broken into, Marissa's going to have to, like, hit me because I just, I, you know, Scripture says the Lord gives his beloved sleep, and I sleep really well. And so, so I, I wake up, like, I don't know how it happens, but I get this foot in my face or a little girl's butt in my face. I just said butt in church. And... Uh, and I, I don't know how it happens. I, I'm just glad nobody is hearing the things that I say in my bedroom when that happens. Because um, it's really frustrating. I, I just wonder, have you ever had a problem and you're like, how did this happen? How did we get here? I mean, isn't that the question that we're all asking in 2020? <laughs> how, how did this happen? How, 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 did we, how did we even get here? I mean, it, if you've ever asked yourself that question, the book of Kings is a great book to read because the writer, the person who compiled all this information, he's really writing to answer that question. You know, whenever you read something, you've got to know the purpose that it was written. Books of First and Second Kings, they were, they were written during a time when the nation of Israel was in the Babylonian exile. At this point, the city of Jerusalem had been destroyed. 
There's nobody sitting on the throne of King David. And everybody's wondering, how did we even get here? How did our nation come to this point? How did we arrive here? And I think that's what drew me to this text because this story is really a look at how things can change so quickly. I mean, the, the tactics of the king of Aram clearly caught Elisha's servant by surprise. He was not expecting to wake up one day, look around, and see that he was surrounded. Go ahead and say surrounded. Just type it in the chat. Surrounded. I need to know that you're with me. So, surrounded. I mean, I think that's the word for 2020. <laughs> surrounded. So, surrounded. Because everywhere I look, there's, you know, I look over here and there's coronavirus. And I, I look over here and there's violence. Or I look over here and there's an injustice. I, I look over here and there's a disaster. Just surrounded. Just everywhere I look, there, there's something going on. It's like, okay, I give up. How did we get here? I don't even know how this happened. And I relate to the servant because it says in verse 15 that when he saw this army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city, he thought, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? Man, if you haven't felt that way at least once in the past five months, or at least past five days, I'm gonna let you get up and preach, all right? Because like, like sometimes... I look around and I'm at a loss for how to solve the problems that I see. God, God, what shall we do? But even though the servant was perplexed, Elisha didn't miss a beat. Did you notice what Elisha said? Elisha said, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. In the moment that his servant felt the most hopeless, Elisha pointed him to a deeper truth, that he's got a group that he doesn't know about. And this is the first thing I wanna tell you, is that your circle is closer than you think. Your circle is closer than you think. We're talking about finding your circle. The first thing I want you to know is that your circle is closer than you think. How can I say that? Some people, how can you say that? You don't know my situation. You don't even know what I'm going through. I know just by the fact that you are here, whether in this room or online, your circle is closer than you think. Think about this. You might be watching this by yourself right now in your dorm room. There is nobody around. You are watching this in your car while you're driving. There's nobody else around. And yet, there are about 250 people-ish watching this with you, either in person or online, right now. There's people in the room. There's people in other houses, in their homes. There are people maybe in your living room. You've got more with you right now than you know. Your circle is closer than you think. Elisha said, those who are with us. He didn't say that, hey, don't worry, we'll be okay. We've got help on the way. He didn't say, hey, we're just going to be all right. We've got help out there somewhere. They're, they're coming. No, he didn't say we have to go to where the help is. He said, help is here. Those who are with us. And if I can get you 
to apply this to your life for a moment, if I can help you with that. You've got those with you. You've got people who are with you. Your circle is closer than you think. And I bring that up because I meet so many people who feel so lonely. They feel so isolated. They feel like no one cares about them. I have met people and talked to people in our church say, man, I just, I feel like I don't have any friends. I feel like I don't have any community. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to go someplace else where, where I can have community. I don't have any people here. They're not being mean about it. They're being sincere. They crave connection. They're looking for friends, not fake friends, not work acquaintances that they share office space with or see on a Zoom call once in a while, not, not relatives that they are biologically obligated to relate to from time to time. No, they are looking for relationships. They're looking for people where they can be known and groups at our church are what make these life-changing relationships possible and accessible. And I wonder if maybe you felt surrounded. I wonder if maybe you've looked around and you've been like, man, this is too much, too much to handle. What shall we do? I wonder if you joined a group, if just like the servant's eyes were opens, if you'd, if you'd have a different perspective. I wonder if you'd discover that there are people who are with you, with you, people who love you, people who care about you, people who are ready to support you, people who are willing to walk alongside of you. Can I tell you, you don't have to go someplace else to find what you're looking for. I need to say that again because I don't think you got it. You don't have to go someplace else to find what you're looking for. Let me just say that one more time so everybody gets it. You need to type it in the chat. You need to write this down. You don't have to go someplace else to find what you're looking for. Your circle is closer than you think. And I get it. Like sometimes people are lonely because they're looking for a specific relationship. They're looking for a husband. They're looking for a girlfriend. They're looking for romance in their life. And I just want to acknowledge that that's a real thing. I mean, Scripture says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. When you have a longing for something in your life and it's not there, it can feel like everything else is wrong in your life. But can I be real clear with you? Don't throw away the blessing that God has given you because of one thing that you don't have. I know that you want a significant other in your life right now. But if I can be real clear, the way that's going to come into your life is through a relationship anyway. You don't want to date somebody in isolation. That, that, is, that, that is a recipe for disaster. A, a person who isolates themselves, Scripture says, rages against all sound judgment. You don't want to date them. You want to date them in the context of relationship. The way God is going to bring that person to your life is through community anyway. It's through relationship. And you could miss it. Because you don't realize that your circle is closer than you think. But your circle is also bigger than you see. Your circle, it's bigger than you see. This is what Elisha said to his servant. He said, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more 
than those who are within. I, I know some of you are watching, some of you are here. You might feel like everybody's against you right now. You might feel like there's a lot that's against you right now. But let me be clear. There are more people who are for you. There are more people who love you. There are more people who care about you. I, I, I know it seems like there's a lot against you, but your circle is bigger than you see. Look at what Elisha prayed for him. Elisha said, God, open his eyes so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And I know this is a testament to God's power, but it's also a testament to God's provision. I'm praying that you see that there are more people who love you. There are more people who care about you and want to walk alongside of you. But it doesn't look that way when we're looking at the wrong circle. See, the thing I noticed about this passage is that Elisha never denies the problem. He doesn't dismiss the fact that they're surrounded. He doesn't fail to acknowledge the fact that there is an army that has come to kill them and capture them. He just has a different focus. That's why he prays God, open his eyes. I wonder what would happen if we prayed that this week. God, open my eyes. Oh, open my eyes, God, to see the people that you've put in my life. God, open my eyes to see the people that you've placed around me, to, to see the people that, that you have divinely set in my sphere. Man, if you did that, I bet you would see that there are people that you are called to serve. I bet you would see that there are people that you are called to lead. I, I bet you would see that, that there are people God has placed in your life to help you, and there are people God has placed in your life for you to help. There are people that God has, has put in your life for you to be strengthened and encouraged. God's put people in your life to keep you accountable. God's put people in your life for whom you're responsible. God's put people in your life for your future. You see, your circle is bigger than you see because your circle's not just about you. And one of the prayers I pray every day, it's part, it's part of my, my devotion time with God. I just, I thank God. I say, God, thank you for bringing right relationships in my life. Because I know that I need the right relationships to do what God's called me to do and to get to where God's called me to be. I want my friendships to be encouraging. I want the leaders I have to help move me forward. I want the team that I have to be equipped. I want my family to be supported and supportive. I want our church, man, I, I just be bold. I want the right people in our church. It doesn't mean that there's wrong people. I just know that there's people that God has called to be part of this ministry because I want people who are, who are called here, people who are on fire for Jesus, people who are, I want our church to be healthy and strong. See, our, our circle's not just about us. So I'm praying, God, open my eyes. God, open my eyes to, to see what you see. God, open the eyes of my heart to be enlightened to the hope that you've called me to to the future, to the plan. God, open my eyes to see the riches of your glorious inheritance, God, that comes in your holy people. God's best for you, it comes through people. 
Your circle is bigger than you know because your circle is not just about you. So you might have a circle of friends. Some of you are like, I'm good, Pastor. I got my friends. Yeah, but can I tell you, you also have a circle of influence. Some of you are not using your circle of influence. I just, I felt, as I was praying before I got up here, I felt really strongly, some of you are being very cowardly Christians. You, you need to pray for people. You need to share some scripture with people. You need to be bold in your faith. You need to invite people. Whatever way you're engaging with this church right now, if you're watching online, you need to send the link. If you're doing house parties, you need to invite your friends over. If you are coming to the watch parties here, then you need to bring your friends with you. Some of you, you're being very timid in your faith right now, and your circle's bigger than you know. It's not just the friends you have. You have influence, and you're not using it. God wants you to use what you have to make a difference in the world. And that's the powerful thing about this text, because it's not just how God opens the servant's eyes. It's what, he, it's what happens after he does it. Because Elisha doesn't just pray that he would open the servant's eyes. If you read on, he, he prays that the eyes of the enemy would be shut. It's funny. In this moment that you think, okay, this is, this is the moment that Israel's been waiting for. The, the enemies are at their doorstep, and now they're vulnerable. Now <laughs> they're open. In this moment, Elisha can wipe them out. <laughs> in, in this moment, he can rid Israel of their problems once and for all, or at least, at the very least, teach the nation of Aram a lesson not to mess with Israel, put an end to this fighting, put an end to this warring. But it's what happens next that really speaks to the power of your circle. And I, I would read it to you, but I'm just going to summarize it for you because he, he prays that their eyes would be shut. And this is like a comedy sketch. you got to read this thing in its entirety because <laughs> these people come to attack him. He says, God, shut their eyes. And then he's like, hey, um, this is Elisha now. He's like, hey, I, I know you're looking for Elisha. He's not here and you're in the wrong place. Let me lead you to where he is. So Elisha leads this warring nation, however many it is, that circled the city, to the city of Samaria where the king of Israel is. Once they get there, their eyes are opened and they find themselves surrounded, surrounded by their enemies. Now this is fascinating because you got to remember well, let me just read this to you. I'll, I'll start in verse 21. It says, when the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, shall I kill them? My father, shall I kill them? Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those you've captured with your own sword or bow? No, set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they'd finished eating and drinking, he sent them away. And they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. You got to remember, the thing that enraged the king of Aram was the fact that Elisha knew his secrets. And now, in this moment, Elisha not only knows their secrets, but the king of Aram, his, his army, they're vulnerable. And I think the thing that keeps many of us from finding our circle and from finding freedom from our past 
is that we don't want to get in this place where somebody knows our secrets and we're vulnerable. But this is the last thing I want to tell you, is that your circle is safer than you know. Your circle is safer than you know. Think about this. I mean, th this is the moment where he could have exploited Aram. Not only do I know what's going on in your life, I I've got your power in my grasp. I I've got your might before me. I could wipe you out, but that's not what they did. They set a meal before him. They had some food. And it was this act of compassion over a meal, instead of taking advantage of it, that ended the war, that ended the battles. See, there's a lot of us that are dealing with a war inside of us, and it sneaks up. It, it, it sneaks up, it catches us by surprise. We might feel surrounded. We might feel trapped in our own homes, in our own city, just like Elisha's servant did. But in, in this moment where he was so vulnerable through a meal, through some sharing, what he thought had him captive actually got set free. I just thought, man, what an awesome, what an awesome picture of what happens in groups. I mean, I don't know how many soldiers and chariots there were. Maybe there were 500, maybe there were 20. But when I picture this in my mind, I see this group of 20 sitting around the table and the warring ended over a meal. You'd be surprised at what you can get free from when you sit in a circle. You'd be surprised at what God can do in your life over a meal. God has designed you to heal in the context of community. And I wanna be real bold and real clear. This is God's plan for your life. He wants you to find your circle and he wants you to find freedom. And there is a group for everybody here, whether you're watching in North Carolina or whether you're watching in Lawrence, Kansas, whether you're here in person or, or, or whether you're online, there's groups that are just online there's groups specifically designed for freedom. We have a group called Freedom. It's supposed to specifically help you walk through this process, but honestly, any group, whether you're playing basketball or board games, you can find freedom because God's created you to heal in the context of community. And I don't want you to make the mistake that so many Christians make and miss out on what God has for them because you're isolated, because you're alone, because you think you're good. God has more for you. And your circle is closer than you think. It's bigger than you see. And it is safer than you know. Thank you so much for joining us for this teaching at Velocity. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss out on more great messages just like this one. If today's message impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others with the message of Jesus, go to findvelocity.org backslash give and you can partner with us financially. Thanks again for tuning in. Have an amazing week, Velocity, and remember, wherever you are, just keep moving forward.